Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We are so grateful you have come to join us. We would love to invite you to one of our in-person services. To find out times, locations, and more about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. There you have it. That's great. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Easter Sunday. And uh, everything that goes along with that, thank you. Perfect. Good to see you all. Two services, huh? That's right. Let's make it, let's make it all happen. I want to uh, say thank you to everybody that has uh, been praying for me during this season of uh, getting through the radiation. So thank you very much. It's all over. And uh, I'm cancer-free. And <laughs> I am, I am, I am. And my, my warrior princess, Kelly, the angel at home, who has been so patient with all of the, for, for at least a year, uh, this whole process. And um, just so deeply grateful for you, sweetheart, and putting up with the sounds. And I, I would like to think I'm a great patient. However, <laughs> my level of deception is raging. And um, I just want to say how much I appreciate you, dear, and I, want, I appreciate this help. So thank you very much for praying for me as we get through that season and walk through that valley of the shadow of potential death and not fear any evil because he's with us. That's really great. I want to welcome everybody online. Now I want you to take your Bibles and turn to uh, John chapter 20. I want to share a um, fairly brief but profound uh, message about Easter. I love biographies. I like reading biographies, but I've yet to read one where that person came back from the dead. Jesus is unique in all of history. And um, at, you will find other world religion leaders who uh, you can go to their tomb, tombs and they're still there, but Jesus rose again. That's what makes Easter Sunday so sensational. I want to elevate the name of Jesus this morning. And uh, I want to remind us uh, that, that we can get a little bit um, careless in using the name of Jesus because we like just tack it onto the end of a prayer. And it's kind of like see, see you later or something. But the name of Jesus, um, when we declare the name of Jesus, we're declaring every victory that he accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection. Death uh, is a continuum. And it begins with just simply being separated from God. And we come back to Christ and admit our separate, separatedness, and we come back to Christ by faith and believe and appropriate everything that he did by declaring the name of Jesus, it overcomes everything on that continuum of death. So when we're separated from Jesus, we're separated from God, all the good stuff uh, gets restored in Christ. All of the damage from separation is now restored in the name of Jesus. And if you're dealing with any separation of any kind, because death is way over here, you know, in the, in the garden when it says that surely you'll die. They didn't actually physically die, but they were separated from God. And that's what I want to talk about, the continuum of death and how that Jesus overcame that. I want us to look. You, you've turned already to John chapter 20. I want to read from Luke where it says, very early on Sunday morning, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. These would be the original Spice Girls. 
couldn't resist. And, and it says that they found that the stone over the entrance had been rolled away. They went in, but they couldn't find the body of Jesus. John chapter 20. Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter. I want you to be aware of the story of Peter. I'm going to follow Peter through the, uh, this whole narrative. So she found Peter and the other disciple, which was John, who wrote the book of John, the one that Jesus loved. He affectionately calls himself that. And she said, they had taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and I don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple ran to the tomb to see. The other disciple outran Peter. It's sort of interesting how he shows how that he's probably in better shape, or I don't know what, but the other disciple, being the author here, outran him. Stooped in, looked, and saw the linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Peter arrived. He went in, but he also noticed that the linen wrappings lying there, so he noticed them while the cloth that would cover Jesus' face was folded up and lying to the side. Then the other disciple went in, and he saw and believed. Until then, they hadn't realized the Scripture said that he would rise from the dead, and then they went home. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2, and we'll read that as well. This is from the um, ESV. Verse 6, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want you to know that the name of Jesus is a name that's different than any other name. It's a, and, and he makes it clear that there's no other name under heaven, there's no other name on earth, and there's no other name under the earth. What's under the earth? I'm glad you asked. I want you to just consider, I'm going to read this uh, Revelation passage. I love, it's the first day of the, it says that I, John said I was in the spirit in the Lord's day, first day of the week. And he, said, and he said, I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who's worthy to break the seal of the scroll and unroll it. But no one in heaven, on earth, or under the earth was able to open the scroll. Then it says, says of John, he says he wept. Because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah the heir to David's throne has conquered, and he is worthy to open the scroll and break its seven seals. Look down at verse 11, and then, I heard, and then I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and in the sea. This is a powerful name. I'm not sure. And they said, blessing and honor and glory and power to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forevermore. He's talking about Jesus. <laughs> There's no other name given among men by which you must be saved. I want to just follow this story a little bit. And I want to begin <clears throat> in Luke chapter, for me, I just want to start looking at the story of Peter. And something happens in chapter 22. This is just before Gethsemane. And, um, and here's what Jesus does, and here's what he can do for you and I too. He redeems a moment of Peter's greatest failures. 
But when we say the name of Jesus, it overcomes all guilt. Peter's riddled with guilt because he's just had this little moment. Peter's probably kind of a control, controller guy. In verse 31, it says, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to have all of you to sift you like wheat. I love this next line. You should just read this through like a dozen times. But I have pleaded in prayer. How did he plead in prayer? You kind of wonder if Jesus prays, how, like how does he pray in the name of Jesus? In my name? Is that what he would say? Probably. But I've pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith wouldn't pray, fail, so that when you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen and build up your brothers. I love that. Here, here's, what he's, here's what he's saying about Peter. He's saying, Peter, you're about to do something that you're going to regret. And you're going to be riddled with remorse and guilt. I, just, I don't know if you ever feel this way, but you've just not done your best for Jesus. And even though you've made a great declaration one Sunday morning or in a moment of uh, you know, great courage, and then you let him down. I, I have felt for a couple of weeks that my faith was pretty lame. And then I read this, and I remembered that there's one that's interceding for, name, for me. And, he, and he's always praying for me. And even if I fail, which I likely will, that my faith may not add up, he's saying that, that what's going to happen, Lorne, is you're probably going to blow it, you're not going to do all the things you think you can do, but that's okay because once you've turned, he has that much faith in you and I. Once we've turned, then we're gonna, he's going to use that experience to encourage and help others through us. When we go through a thing and we find some victory in that thing, by the way, cancer no longer has a, a grip of fear on me. So whenever anybody comes forward for prayer for cancer, I'm not intimidated anymore. Because after I've been through that, it says I can then encourage my brothers. And he prayed that my faith wouldn't fail in the middle of it. I thought it failed. But he said that's okay because he'd already anticipated my lack of faith. And he says, and once you get through, he already knows I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through, but he already knows you're going through. And once you get through, you're going to be able to use that experience to help others. This is a big deal. It's death to life. Such a profound thought. And he said, once you're through, I'm going to use you. Uh, and, and then Peter says, you know, it's never going to happen to me, Lord. And uh, rah, rah, rah. And sure enough, it does. And, um, but that's all right, because he'd already prayed for him. And that, I mean, it's just such a wonderful thought to know that before any of our failures, he's already prophesying our success. And then he's, and then, and then he's already saying to me, and we can say that to other people, that you're going to get through. Whatever it is you're going through, you're going to get through. It can't be any worse than what happened to the Son of God. The next portion here is fascinating because, because sometimes there are things happen to us that we never had any control over. Sure, there's some things that we stick our own foot in our own mouth and get into trouble. 
Sure, we make some bad decisions along the way. But then there's also some things that we don't pick to happen to us. And we're left to, at the mercy of other people. Jesus goes from a whirlwind of activity, deliverance, healing, all night in prayer. And all of a sudden, he, he has a moment in Gethsemane. And everything goes kind of quiet. And after that, it's everything that's being done to him. He dealt with all the things that we do that are a little bit wacky. But also, that he deals with the things that are done to us that we didn't choose. Says that the only time it says about him sweating blood, this medical condition, uh, is found in Luke. And the only time it mentions that angels came as well. I want to I have a look at Matthew 26, where he's speaking to Peter, and he says, yeah, you, this is going to happen. You're going to deny me before the crow th crows three times. And then it says, verse 36, and then Jesus brought them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. He says, sit here while I go ahead of you. And he took Peter and Zebedee's sons, John, John and James, and began to be filled with anguish and distress, deep distress, and he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. I read through this about six times, and nothing really hit me of the story other than the loneliness and the silence of Jesus. And by about the ninth or tenth time when I read through this, I started to feel something about maybe what the, what, what the Son of Man felt like when he was in the garden. And he wanted his friends with him. You notice he said, come with me, but just don't, I'm just going to go over here, but you stay here. So, he, so isn't, there, isn't there many times it was, that just having some friends with us encourages us and strengthens us? But it seems like something's happening in his heart where he doesn't want to be alone with his father because he's afraid of the silence. What if he doesn't speak? What if there's no other way? Jesus isn't really complaining here. This isn't the day Jesus complained. This is, this, this is the day that he surrendered his will to the Father's will. And it's, and, and it's, can I just say this about us? Isn't it great that we have people with us and stand with us? But the biggest battles we ever fight, we fight alone. And I know we're a little bit nervous. Will he, will he be silent? Will he answer? Will he come through? Is he strong enough? He was also silent at Golgotha, not just Gethsemane. This is such a profound thing. He's in a garden. Why a garden? Well, don't you remember it all started to unravel at a garden? So he's, and don't you know, Revelation 21, it all ends in a garden. So there's a battle in the garden. I think it's fascinating, this entire story, because he now, Peter the controller, he, and, and it says towards the end here, Peter can't even hang out with him for the whole night. And he said, Father, is there any other way? It probably was up all night. And then he, then he came to the disciples. Oh, you're still sleeping? You're still resting? Look, the time has come. And Judas, uh, the son of man, is about to be betrayed. So let's get going because the betrayer's here. And even as he said this, Judas shows up. Betrayal. I want to just uh, move along to the next part in Jesus' life where, where not only has he about to restore Peter and his, the guilt and the thoughts. Because you know that our thoughts are, are the prophets 
of our future or else librarians of the past. And you are as your thought life is. You know, the instant that you begin thinking negative thoughts, your immune system responds by shutting down. You'll find people who are bitter have bitter thoughts. You'll have, find Peter who, people who are lonely, they have lonely thoughts. Until we can get a hold of our thoughts and allow the Lord to renew our thoughts, we are who we think we are. So he does something here in terms of restoring humanity. And he goes back to the place where death took place, back to the garden. And it's like death, that death took place and, and, and the door has been shut for thousands of years. Not only does he knock on the door, he breaks the door down, he rips the door off the hinges, he, he burns the door, and he hurls it back thousands of years right back to the garden. And he says, now whosoever will can come. And we pick up the story in John chapter 20. And he now, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating time because now he's coming, he's, he's risen from the dead, and it's an interesting point here in verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in and saw two angels sitting at the head and the foot of the place where the body lied. The only other place where you see two angels like this is the Ark of the Covenant. When the angels are like this. And what's the place in between? It's called the mercy seat. He, he, so so the, he, she's, she's crying. Why are you crying? It's such an interesting point. Where we find in, so I'm just going to go back to Matthew chapter 27. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land for, until 3 o'clock. So three hours, it's dark. Three words and three miracles. Um, the bystanders were trying to figure out what just took place. And then Jesus shouted and he gave up his spirit. The, the prayer of uh, Jewish children is, at bedtime is, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's how Jewish children pray at night. And it says that at that moment the curtain ripped from top to bottom and the earth shook, rocks split apart, tombs opened, bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead and after the, after the resurrection they left the cemetery and went into the holy city. And the Roman soldiers and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were ter terrified by the earthquake and all that happened said, truly, this is the Son of Man. I just want to, uh, this is interesting to me. Because you remember his name holds authority not just in heaven and on earth, but also under the earth. And at, at, there's two times there's an earthquake that's noted in the New Testament. The first time was at the crucifixion. The second time was that his resurrection, verse 28, early in the morning and in, in the uh, new day was dawning, wasn't it ever? And Mary, Mary and the other Mary went to see the tomb and suddenly there was a great, great earthquake because the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone. His face shone like lightning and his clothes was white as snow. The guards stood with fear when they saw him. I just love this part. Angel said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus. He was crucified. He's not here. He's been raised from the dead, just as he said, come and see where the body was. And now go and tell the, his disciples, because he has been raised from the dead, and he's gone ahead into Galilee. You'll see him there. Remember, I've told you this. Now we, now we go to uh, John chapter 20. Um, he finds Jesus. Now, I want you to notice an interesting thing, because two times this, this is used in Scripture. 
chapter 18 and verse 18. Peter's just denied Jesus. He's at, he's warming himself. The guards and the household servants were standing around a charcoal fire when they made, that they had made because they were cold. It was a charcoal fire. Anybody know the smell of charcoal is different than any other type of, it's like a pungent. Those of you who smoke, anybody smoke? No, smoke meat. There's a, there's a smell when you light charcoal, right? It says, it says here again, Jesus comes back and he asks the fisherman, have you caught any fish? This is the wrong thing to ask a fisherman. Yeah, you ask him, did they have a good time? What's he making him do? He's going to admit failure. He said, no, I've been fishing all night. haven't caught anything. This is how close success is with Jesus from failure. The width of a boat. And he's turning the tables, and he says here now, and, 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 and Jesus said, okay, okay, you guys, uh, let's have breakfast. Peter jumps out of the boat. It's you, Lord. And when he got there, he saw that a charcoal fire was burning and the fish were frying over it and, there was, and then there was some bread. Here's what he did. He, res, he, he took, he, why, why the smell? Smell is your strongest connection to memory. Did you know that? Uh, whenever I smell raspberries, it takes me back till I was eight years old in grandma's, grandma's raspberry patch. We had five acres of raspberries. And whenever I smell raspberries, I go, grandma's place. What happened when he smelt the charcoal fire? He would have remembered that moment of denial. He would have remembered, oh, this was the worst time in my life. I denied the Lord. Jesus said, that's fine. I'm going to bring you back to that moment that you remember was the worst time in your life. And I'm not going to criticize you for it. I'm going to remind you that it's okay, Peter. And he does the same to you and I. Takes us to some of these lowest times in our life. Smell is so powerful. Discouragement is so deep. The, 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 the idea of... I, the first time I went into the Tom Baker Cancer Center, I was horrified. By about the seventh or eighth time, I'm like, hey, Carrie, how are you? He's just like, whatever. Jesus took three days under the earth. Death looked dark. It looks dark for some of us. But there's other things that look dark to you too. For some of you, depression looks dark. Maybe there's even a smell that's connected with it. Some of you, divorce looks dark. For, for some of us, disappointment is dark. Might even be a smell that goes with it. I'm just here to say, when we speak the name of Jesus, everything that he overcame, you and I overcome in his place with him. It says that if we are seated with Christ, that's what Colossians says. Because, sorry, because we are seated with Christ. Let me just read that to you. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on things that are above. I I'm, I'm just want to summarize by saying this. After this moment, uh, I don't know how much longer, a few weeks presumably, Peter is walking through the city and someone was begging for money. He said, this Peter that denied Jesus, he's walking and he goes past somebody and they're asking for money. He said, ah, well, silver and gold I don't have. But in the name of Jesus, who overcame all of my, the denial, the defeat, the separation, 
And later he would preach and 3,000 people were saved. There is one name given under heaven by which men must be saved, and that name is Jesus. And our decision today is, first of all, we have to admit that we've been separated from him. And secondly, we have to agree that Jesus paid the full and complete price. And thirdly, we have to accept the gift that he offered us. So, Father, I think about some of the trauma that people here have faced. And with that trauma comes triggers. And maybe there's moments, maybe there's sounds or smells or sights that connect them with defeat and disappointment and depression and maybe even death. But Lord, I know that at your name, these things can all bow. So Father, this morning we speak the name of Jesus over everyone that's here. And we declare that depression no longer has a hold in people's minds or hearts. That the very triggers that would trigger depression, disappointment, Father, would be absorbed in the body of Jesus. I thank you that this name that causes the earth to shake can cause the very foundations of our faulty, uh, the faulty foundations of our life to shake as well. And this morning, we declare the name of Jesus over death, over destruction, over disease, over cancer. Father, we thank you that new life is available on the other side of the disappointment in the name of Jesus. I'm going to invite you to stand as we sing about the name of Jesus. And as we do so, if there's anybody here that wants me to declare that over you as well, because you're facing something you can't quite, quite get past, it's my pleasure to be able to declare the name that's above every, every disappointment, every disease, or every form of disaster in your life, and we will speak the name of Jesus. Let's sing it together. If you'd like prayer, I'd welcome you to come to the front while we're singing this, and I'll pray over you. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, subscribe to our podcast and find us on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you would like to give to our church, go to myc3church.ca. See you next week.